This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, where we don't have time to maintain these regrets, Pastor Michael, because it is the Restless Podcast. Pastor Michael, this is the Restless Podcast, the postmortem on the young, restless, and reformed, and we are doing something special this week. Yeah, it's always special when we get a chance to work through uh, Scripture itself, and uh, we've been working through Second Peter, Second Peter 1. Yeah, how are you doing as we, uh, as it seems to maybe start warming up, signaling the soon potential end of this winsome winter? Man, it's actually so, yeah, here in Wisconsin, the last, the last Second Peter episode, we were like, everything's cold, everything's horrible, everything's breaking. (laughs) It was all death. It was all crucifixion. And uh, now all of a sudden there's life. We've had sun. We've had 30 plus degree temperatures today. It's maybe supposed to rain here in lacrosse. (laughs) So, so that's wild. Um, I hope it doesn't rain, but it's just, I mean, it's just a different world out there. And so uh, it's making me feel good and it's fitting then that we come to uh, our, our maybe not final episode on second Peter, but the final of the virtues that we're going to be speaking of, which is love. Love. Yeah, it's great. It is. What what do they what do we say in Narnia? Is it Aslan's coming back? Is that the is that the <laughs> springtime? Yeah, Aslan's on the move. You can I, tell I, the winter is starting to fade. That's right. The white yes. witch's power is already waning. These, yeah, this is there's a lot of of great stuff here as we come to the end. Even just thinking about everything that's come before, and I don't want to do that a ton um, because I don't want this episode to just be a big, long retrospective of what we've done for uh, months in this in this study of these virtues. But I just thought it would be just useful for us to to do it just a tiny bit because Pastor Michael. So to start that, would you read? Would you read verses five through? Um, why don't we do? yeah eight would you read verses five through eight of second peter one verses five through eight yep absolutely for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is such, it's so great. And so it really is the, the reason we actually started this just so everyone remembers in case it's been so long. um, And it has, we, (laughs) it's been a long time is because many, it, it, it happened. I don't know what we were doing. But it just came out of this realization that I had that so many of us, whether it's things that are put out by TGC or many names that we used to all kind of look up to in regards to the YRR, they were letting us down. They were disappointing us. And we realized as we read this, so much of it was this. We see them being totally ineffective in ministry that there is basically just a lack of fruit at this point. And that instead of primarily focusing on picking on them, laughing at them, Peter actually gives young men and young women, people like us instructions on what to do to avoid 
right? Living long enough to become the villain like TGC. How do you do that? Um, sorry, TGC, you guys still do some good stuff, but <laughs> everyone gets the point I'm making. And yeah, how how do you how are you, how can you not become unfruitful and ineffective, right? How do you how do you be somebody that is effective and fruitful in your knowledge of Jesus Christ? That's really what we wanted to get to. That's right. And and that all of these things are viewed as a supplement to our faith, right? That this is one of the things that the answer isn't actually faith. Faith is the basis of everything because it's by faith we know God. It's by faith we are justified alone, right? And so you can't supplement faith, you know, to a Christian life because there's no Christian life without it. But we've walked through what it means to supplement it with virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness or or piety as we um, think that is much better understood. Um, and um, and brotherly affection. We've come to love. And so, you know, all of these episodes have been wonderful for us to get to talk through. We've enjoyed them a ton. And But we've come to the end and we've come to love. And this is, and we hinted at this, especially in some of the stuff that if you listen to the little section I included after um, we finished recording the main part of the episode is all of these come with a background of the Greco-Roman world that most of these things were prized in the Roman world. And Peter is communicating that in Christ, you actually attain what they desired. But he also, in all of these, there is a specific Christian understanding of these things, right? Maybe a good example would be last week when we did brotherly affection. That in the Roman culture was you and your right duty and feeling towards your kin, right? Your 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 household relationships. And Peter and the Bible applies that to the church, right? That would have been unique. And we and we see those things with all of these. But now we we've come to love. And this is a unique one. And actually, it's the presence of faith and love on this list that make me, I, there, you know, we talked about early in this, that there are some people who kind of believe these are like a step, like a stepping, like a ladder of Christian virtue. You climb from one to the next to the next. And that I, I don't find that overly persuasive. But there is some ordering because I think that both Pastor Michael and I see a, huge amount of significance in it starting with faith and ending with love yeah the one being a foundation right the the starting place um, where it all begins what it all grows out of and then love actually being the you know something that permeates the whole it is it is the substance of the whole and at the same time it is a kind of capstone it is a kind of of ultimate final um the the highest of things right where it all comes together where it all focuses where it all climaxes that's right and so this word love is that famous word agape uh from from the new testament greek um if you have an old translation this was the word actually we always use to describe charity right but yeah exactly so just like christian and is founded and cannot exist without faith the crowning goal the crowning telos of the christian life is love right this is why paul you know the famous line right these three remain faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love paul is able to place love over faith and hope 
right? Because it's the end. It's the telos. It's where it's where it all ends up, where it all leads. Um, that uh, you know, someday we will see not by faith, but by sight. But we right. will still love. Like love is still going to uh, be the the center of everything that we do. Um, this is right. I mean, what what is what is all of the law? all of God's prescriptive will for us boiled down to by the Lord himself. It's love. Love God, love your neighbor. I mean, it, it all ultimately comes down to that. And and Tim Keller, in I'm sorry, not Tim Keller. Why did I just think of that? Oh, man, I just misspoke. <laughs> Tim Keller on the brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, this, this word is also um, hope in the same way is surpassed by love because hope is all about our future expectation. Yes. And again, when our faith is sight, there is no more future expectation, but we can still love. And so this is why charity is the supreme Christian virtue. And this in this way is actually a very big departure from the Greek tradition of virtue, right? Plato, for example, example, famously said justice, that's the highest virtue. The Stoics have always said that knowledge, right? That's the, the beginning and end of the of an ethical life. But this love is the ultimate goal of the Christian life. Love, this this regard for someone else's interests, regardless of, of who they are and what they can do for you, right? Obviously, we know agape love is often used as the term of for the love of God, those we pointed out last week, not always. Um, this love is the demonstration in our lives of God's work, right? This is the imitation of God. Love is mm-hmm. in his sacrificial actions on our behalf, right? Um, and that means, and that's kind of why it's unsurprising it was not valued at all in the Greek world as their minds and their values were not shaped by Christ's sacrificial work for them. Right. So this can love can sum up the Christian pursuit of virtue walk Mm -hmm. in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this is love. So, so pastor Michael, what do you think about this idea? I think it's so important to see, Peter, using all this Greek Roman language, now just completely breaking with what they would have understood as the greatest good. Yeah. And you obviously have seen this. I mean, we've talked about this all the way through that there are ways in which um, sometimes what Peter says corresponds to very much what would have been considered virtuous, uh, but then does often depart from it or add to it um, what that looks like. And then here, there's kind of that ultimate final end showing that this is far more than just, you know, another list of human wisdom. It's Mm -hmm. not just another um, example of, uh, you know, very, you know, smart people coming up with, well, this is what the virtuous life looks like. This is ultimately something that is is deeply and completely Christian. And uh, so it's shaped, it's, it's, uh, completely shaped by love, by that highest end and pursuit of mankind. Mm, yeah. So here are just a few verses that use agape. Again, we could I, we could probably literally do these verses 
kind of all day long. But I, here's an interesting one to start with. This one's from Matthew 24, 12. And so this is Jesus in his Olivet Discourse saying that because of lawness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, right? So there's a warning, right? We've talked about this as a thing to supplement our faith with. And Jesus, right, giving a, a, a warning about the love mm-hmm. growing cold. Um, now, obviously, the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks about love this way many times, right? So he says, you know, John 13, 35, by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another, right? John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. John 15, 10, next verse. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than that someone would lay down his life to his friends. And then I'll just read Romans 5, 5 again. Like I said, we could we could go all day with these verses and they're all wonderful, but Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Again, this is so interesting as we are about to see hope surpassed by love and why. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so you can see this central concern of the Christian life with love. Yeah. So Pastor Michael, maybe one good question to think about would be, how is this love different than brotherly affection, right? How, because they're not, they're not opposites, right? But how similar or different are these, these concepts? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. We started to break this down a little bit because it's um, it's not 100% clear to me uh, because these words are used not completely interchangeably. They're clearly used distinctly, and yet sometimes they are used interchangeably. And so, or at least there's overlap, right? There's, you know, on a Venn diagram, these two words are overlapping a fair amount anyway. And so... Um, trying to distinguish them is is not super simple, um, but it does seem necessary to a certain extent. So, uh, you know, as we focused on phileo, you know, brotherly affection, um, this this kind of love, um, it's the kind of love. I mean, we're told that it's the kind of love that God has, for instance, um, you know, the father has for the son. Um, but it does seem like um, often when this is used for the, you know, this brother to brother love, this, this love one to another. It is something that in a sense is, uh, it's, I don't, I don't want to say it's earthly, um, but it's, it's focus is much more on the earthly plane, right? So, you know, imagine it like this, you know, you're sitting in a church and phileo is what you are directing more toward one another. Um, and not exclusively, you also, you know, uh, have this agape that overflows as we just read, um, as the Holy spirit does, does, uh, shed it abroad in your heart. But, um, the, the highest end, it seems to me anyway, of agape is that its end is in, uh, the Godhead. Mm. It's in God himself. It's, it's directed toward that higher, higher end. Um, and that doesn't mean again, that it doesn't have some effect or pertain to how you love others. 
It mm. does actually. Um, but it is in, you know, in a sense, loving others uh, with this love that God has, has uh, given you and shed abroad in your heart that even that is in a sense directed back toward him. It is a mm. response to his love poured out to you. So that's at least, I don't know that that's exactly right. So I don't want anybody to just take that and say, oh, that must be what it is. Uh, but I think there's something to that, right? I think there's at least times when the agape is used. And I think, for instance, here, I think that probably that's in part what's going on. Mm. Yeah, I do think, again, I don't have a full answer to this either. Um, this is why, you know, this is the difficult, this is the, this is the difficulty we have in reading the Bible because we are not there and we don't know how we can't see the way they use the term brotherly love, a brotherly affection in their everyday life, right? We can't see the ways it would be. But I do really think, I think one thing that's really helpful is one of the reasons I read such that strange verse about love growing cold in the face of the persecution Jesus is talking about. What do you think he means about by this love growing cold? I don't think he necessarily means like feelings or a lot. I think he means like many will no longer be willing to continue in and and be follow my commandments, identify with me because of persecution. They the cost will get too high. Yeah. The cost will get too high to follow mm. me. And so I do think this idea of sacrifice of of giving oneself up ultimately for another and obviously the ultimate end being for God, right? For the Godhead as the son did. Um, this is, I think, this is, I think the thing that helps me, right? This is the, like, how will they know you're my disciples by what, you know, by, by your love? Well, what would that mean? It would mean the way they, the way they see how you will act towards mm. each other will be an alt, you know, will be, will be the sign because again, brotherly love is something as you're saying, that apparently there is a degree of of some naturality to right like yep. the gospel is mending it like and it mm -hmm. is something that's been broken by the fall it is something a virtue for us to add but it is something that is apparently um for it to make any sense for it to be for there to be brotherly affection we can have as we said last week there has to be a level of it which is natural for me to understand what does it mean to extend that to the church it means to be well what kind of warm regard do I have for my family? Yeah. Whereas the way we learn agape, the way we learn charity is God's self-sacrificial, pure giving hmm. to us. I think, I don't know. Does that, I don't know. That, that, that's kind of I what think I, that, I think that makes a lot of sense. I like that um, a lot, even, you know, I, and so going back, you know, you could say that there's an element of brotherly affection that may be sacrificing to a point or or giving something up for another, um, but it doesn't seem to the same degree as this, um, as this agape uh, that, you know, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, mm -hmm. that he, he, you know, that the ultimate form of this love displayed is giving. Mm. And that seems like it's in, you know, th there is a, the reason why I think that, you know, this points to it being higher and not just pure natural is that purely natural is that um, giving in general on a purely natural level uh, seems to me like there's kind of a limit 
Whereas right. there does seem to be this element of, you know, as far as higher things, heavenly things, there the God has has given in such a way that it is it is abounding, it's overflowing, it's supernatural, right? It's it's beyond nature, greater than nature, even. Um, right. And so anyway, I think that I think that that does make a lot of sense to add that element of self-sacrificial type love. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is, I think that is one of the, the big keys. And then I think another thing is in light of our, um, in, in our own day. Right. And again, it, it may, it feels cliche to say, but again, I, I realize that a lot of times just really true things are the kind, you know, like there's a reason they're cliches because they actually probably need to be said and are certainly true, right? That this is a virtue. This is not an emotion, right? Yes, we have been encouraged to feel warmly to each other, to have regard for each other, to show that brotherly affection. But Paul, but even if we think about Paul, again, who isn't Peter, how does he describe love, charity? What does he describe charity as in 1 Corinthians 13? It's a series of actions, right? It's a series of dispositions. You know, it is uh, rather than a rather than a feeling, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. So, Pastor Michael, we're coming to an end here. We're coming to the end of of this entire First Peter thing, and and it's in the end, it's all about love. All you it's need like, is oh, love. That's it. Yeah, and love. of course. Of course it is. You know, of course it is. I know that actually, you know, kind of in, uh, you know, that the new Calvinist cage stage, there's often this like uh, desire to like, well, you know, we shouldn't just talk about love, right? We should talk about all these other things. What about God's wrath? What about judgment? What about predestination? What, you know, all of these things. Totally get it. Um, totally have been there. Definitely understand what you're getting at. And yet, on almost every page of the New Testament, what you have is that the center of everything is actually love. It is actually the love of God uh, that he has shed abroad, that he has made known in Christ, um, that uh, that is actually central. Um, and that's not in some way contrary to or you know, uh, it's not as though these different parts of God and his character at, are at war within him and we have to like fight it out. Um, no, this like this actually is the capstone of everything. Why it's like this is why Peter puts it at the very end, at the very top, you could say, um, of this list, because it is something that permeates all the rest of it. And it is something that is directed toward that higher end, an end that doesn't come to an end, right? Like that higher end that you're actually made for in such a way that that you will go on giving praise, uh, responding in praise, giving out or giving back to God um, out of love, which he has first shown you and first given you. And you're going to go on doing that forever, right? You're going to go on loving God forever um, if you are in Christ. That's that is what we are looking forward to. Um, you don't have to hope forever, like we said, because because hope is looking forward to those things that are that are yet to come. Um, you don't, you know, you don't have to have faith forever in the way that we do now, anyway. Um, in the way that we sometimes speak of faith, anyway. Um, in that, like faith is is uh, something that deals with that which is unseen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and yet someday we will see the Lord face to face. There won't be an element of, of he is, you know, not, uh, not, uh, visibly present with us. No, he will be in at least a certain way. And yeah. so like that element of love is so central, so important because it is like, it, it will be everything. And it really is everything already of the Christian life. Pastor Michael, do we just go out with, do we let, do we let David Crowder's How He Loves Us play us out? <laughs> believe it. Oh man, I really hope not. I really, I really hope we don't do that, but part of me wants you to. But <laughs> almost well, like a troll. This yeah, would be a great troll of our audience and just <laughs> to, to slowly fade in how he loves us. So, Pastor Michael, it's been great talking to you about uh, Second Peter, these virtues. I've enjoyed it. It's been great for me. And I look forward to the next kind of thing like this we do. All right, now that we are in the after the episode, I want to—I just want to include one slight thing that you were saying at the end that I thought was um, too sublime. That me talking about this and having it go out over the having David Crowder have to go out over me talking about this instead of your wonderful sublime way of ending the episode was, I was talking to a guy. Everyone knows I'm out here planning a church, and I was talking to a guy, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I." He's like, I think I want to become a Calvinist. I just want to be able to do it without becoming a huge jerk along the way. And, <laughs> and it's just like when you were talking about like, man, we're just like, uh, don't talk all about love. Don't like don't double down on that. It's like I it was just this moment of like talking to him I'm like, dude, this is this is dumb of us. This is really dumb. We're yep. real. This is really dumb. You're not wrong. He's not wrong. Like that is something that happens and it's unfortunate. It's not good. And part of it is just that people are too sentimental. And so anytime somebody challenges that sentimentality, they feel like they're being a meanie. Um, And that's not good either, but let's admit it. He's right. (laughs) And, and like, but, and I think this is probably one of the things that I, as I think about it, like probably for me and probably other young young cage stage or young new Calvinists, right? One of the reasons we probably actually weren't very attracted to really old school reformed pastors is because it was like, dude, like their sermons, they just like talk all about the love of God and how he and how he shows his love to us. And like that just felt that felt because I was a fool that that just feels like weak sauce, right? We're like, well, (laughs) that's like, yeah, I get it. And again, it's because lives it's how yourself, it's so separated, your right? We've so separated that from, from everything else. God is right. That love sums up who God is. God is love, right? God, all of God is summed up in this. And again, right. I think, yeah, I, I actually think the reason we probably have an allergy to this is I think in the evangelical world, sorry guys, um, I have a catchphrase that I'll hold back for now, but in the evangelical <laughs> world, it's almost like God is sentimentality. God is, yeah. yes. God yeah, is yeah. like, God is the good vibes. Yep. Like, and yeah, I was just reading today, um, Robert Rayburn's, I think that's his name, right? Uh, Come let us worship. And uh, one of the things he talked about was the danger of letting emotion like judging worship based on emotions because we can be convinced that like we've actually met with god and been encountered god and our worship has been acceptable to god because it makes us feel a certain way and that's dangerous because it's not true 
Yeah. I, I just think that like, man, it's, yeah, it is a huge bummer that that is so, um, it's so prevalent. Um, and it is, it is what it is. It's just real. It's just, it is just the case. But in response to that, we don't have to be jerks. Right. right? We can actually take the third way and right right there in the middle, we can, uh, be happy Calvinist, joyful Calvinist. I'm just cutting this out. No, no, (laughs) of course we can't, but, but right. This again, it's the, it's the foolishness of it of like, dude, the cross is the demonstration of God's love. No one loves another more than this. And he lays down his life for his friend. Watch any war movie where a guy lays down his life for his friend. You actually see it's horrible. It's heart wrenching. It's difficult to watch, but there's always a deep sense of satisfaction and rest when someone does it because it is like it is. Everyone knows I'm seeing I'm seeing what the world is about and what it's mm. for. Like, yeah. that's what we when we see it, that's what we know, even though all of these other things are true. And right. So it's so it's not even me saying so there is no feeling there is no emotion. No, there is. a. You will have the most deep sense of this is what the world is for, even though that no matter that the outward circumstances, even if it comes with, of course, feelings of anxiety. Right. Uh, you know, like these kinds of things. Right. Christ felt uh, and I don't mean this in the sin because I know we talk about anxiety with all kinds of things, right? Christ asked, Christ was overwhelmed by what was before him and it was still love. Um, and he did it for the joy set before him, right? So it wasn't a, again, it wasn't without feeling or emotion. Um, again, and I, and I know that it's just a thing. I love my Calvinist friends and we love you and we want you to love God and we want other people uh, to love you so you can make it easier on them um, so, <laughs> and obviously and then maybe it's actually the least winsome thing for me to do to say is like no we're the ones who really get to talk about the love of god because that really probably drives a lot of people crazy but it is but what it's it true is. but <laughs> but it's true <laughs>